You ever have that advice that you just blew off as a, as a young person? Some of you are young now and you're thinking, I just did that this morning. Some of you are older and you remember when we were younger and we just blew off that advice that an adult or a parent or a father gave us. So we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 2 today. And in this chapter, it's actually talking about a father giving advice to his family, his son, as he goes through the verses. And it's an interesting type of advice. It's talking about being on the right road, not the right road, walking with God or walking with the ways of the world. And we're going to study some of that. But what interests me the most about it is a lot of times today, we don't really listen to the advice we're told. Uh, We just assume that the older generation doesn't really know what they're talking about. It's kind of a commonplace. But in the days that this was written, in the old biblical days, it was very, very important for the Jewish leaders to communicate to their sons every single bit of wisdom that they could possibly pour into them. And back then, they listened. They, they, They took it to heart if they were wise. And that's the decision we've all got to try to come to today is, are we wise, are we seeking God's wisdom, are we taking those things to heart, or uh, are we just kind of blowing that off? I remember when I was in high school, I was graduating from high school, basketball was my sport uh, many years ago and several pounds ago, but I was a pretty decent basketball player. for, for that level, I grew up overseas, and so uh, it, was, it was an opportunity that was presented to me that I was good enough that I could get recruited to, pay, to play what we would probably call semi-pro ball up here. There they don't really have a pro league. Uh, this is in South America. They have club teams, and so you get recruited or picked up by a club. And so the senior year in high school, they would go and they would recruit. Well, in international rules at that time, this is in the 80s, you could have two international players. The rest had to be national players. And so I could have been picked up, and I was offered several contracts, and the one that I wanted to take was with the Spanish, as in Spain, club uh, to play for them. And they give you the equivalent of a, you know, one-year contract at a time. And I thought that was all the money in the world that they'd offered me, and I just thought, man, I'm going to graduate from high school and I'm going to play ball the rest of my life. It's going to be good. And uh, my father had another opinion. And so we talked about it, and I just wanted to blow his wisdom off, and I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And at the end of the day, he won. Uh, I lost that particular argument, and it took several years before I could look back and realize there was some wisdom to what he said. And what he wanted me to do, which was to come back to the U.S. and go to college and do all these, you know, next step types of things. But at the time, I remember being extremely angry, being very frustrated, being very just pent up with with, uh, irritability at my dad because of, I just didn't want to follow that direction. So, I guess I came to the conclusion about mid-20s that life is dangerous. There's a lot of uh, paths that we can get on. There's a lot of things that we can get involved in that honestly aren't going to take us where God wants us to go. And we have to be very cautious about that. But the truth of the matter is, my dad had that wisdom. I didn't at that time, and I was wanting to not listen. I'm glad that I did go ahead and follow his advice at a later, later time. So it is good to take advice from somebody who's walked the road before you because life is dangerous. So the first thing we're going to look at today as we get into Proverbs chapter 2, the first nine verses, we're going to look at what it means to walk with God. To walk with God. So if you'll just look, uh, first four verses, I want to read through those. And, you know, when you get chapter 2 to preach off of, and it's 22 verses, there's no great way to do this. So we're just going to hit verse by verse, all right? We're going to go through this and, and see what God says. First four verses, though, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight... 
and cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, stop right there. Stop right there. If you're a Bible underliner or a highlighter, this is your moment. Okay, We're going to have about eight words that come out of the next, these four verses that we just looked at that are just really, really powerful about what it means to walk with God. So if I'm going to read it again, but I want you to listen carefully. My son, if you accept, if you accept, what does it mean to accept? Think about it. It means to receive. And in this context, even stronger, if you believe, if you take to heart my words, if you take my words and believe it over all other words that you're going to hear, okay? If you accept my words, and watch this, and store up, what? My commands. So if you believe, if you accept, if you receive my words and you store them up, well, when you store up things, and believe me, I have traveled a lot. I've learned what it means to put things in storage, okay? There are two ways to do it. Uh, one is the fast way and one is the right way. Okay, the fast way, you will regret it when you return from your trip. The right way takes a little more time up front, but you get things and you pack them up just nice and neat and you box them up and you put them in safe containers and you store them. If you'll receive my words, if you'll believe my words, and you will store up my commands, you will take those commands and you will hide them. You'll protect them. You'll watch over them. You'll know where they're at and only you will know how to get to them. If you'll do those two things, and then it says if you'll turn, if you'll turn your ear to wisdom... What does it mean to turn your ear? Think about it. When you, when you, it's, it's, sometimes you do it because you have to adjust the microphone. But, okay, if you turn your ear, what does it mean? It means you're turning to be able to hear better. You want to really make sure you caught every single thing that was said. You want to get those directions. If you'll turn your ear to wisdom and then apply. Apply what? Apply your heart to understanding. So not just receive my words. Not just store up and protect them and hide them. But then turn and listen and apply. That's where we break down, in case you were curious. Okay? That's the point we all break down. We, we will sometimes turn the ear, like, I'll give you another shot. I'll listen to you one more time. But the application part, not so much. I'm not going to take my heart and apply that. Okay? So then it goes on. It says, indeed, if you call out, underline, for insight and cry aloud for understanding. What does it mean to call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding? Call out. Cry aloud. That's bold. That means we don't just go over and go, hey, God, you sure like to know what you're thinking today. If you could supply some of that wisdom. It means we're crying out. I want to know, God, what you've got for me. I want to know what you want. I am calling out, boldly asking you for your wisdom. We don't pray boldly. We need to learn to pray boldly. That's a whole other sermon. But it's that bold asking God, saying, show me, tell me what it is that you would have me know. And then it says in verse 4, and if you look... Look for it as for silver. What are we looking for? Wisdom, understanding, all those things we've just listed, insight. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Interesting. Look and search. When you think about looking and searching, I think digging deep. We've been missing in my house a car key since like April. We've been digging deep, we've been looking deep, and, and it just doesn't seem to, to be showing up. It's there somewhere because the car arrived home. So we know the key has to be at the house, but we can't quite find it. If you look for it like you're a treasure hunter digging for silver, looking for hidden treasure. Think about, you remember the first Indiana, some of you won't, but the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You guys, some of you are with me, like three people. You remember... An archaeologist doesn't just do a little bit of research. They do a lot. They do a lot of digging. They do a lot of research. They do a lot of, of searching. 
to try to find that hidden treasure. It's not just a quick thing and, oh, well, hey, look, I just stumbled on a hidden treasure. Okay, that typically doesn't happen. The same thing is true when we walk with God. Our spiritual wisdom that we're pursuing as we're turning our ear, as we're accepting his words, as we're storing up his commands, all of those things, that doesn't happen as an occasional hobby. We can't just randomly go, you know what, yeah, I think I'll do a little spiritual wisdom searching today. It's got to be a dedicated, committed, lifelong approach to gaining spiritual wisdom. Does that make sense? Think about the world we live in. We live in a fast-paced world. We live in a fast-food world. We live in a world of microwaves, true or false. Everything is instant gratification, is it not? Even smartphones. We could Google anything we want. Proverbs 2, what does it really mean? And we could all save ourselves some time and get out of here early because we could just be gone, right? Our attention spans are even short. Television has created that. Video games has created it. Social media. I asked, I asked my students the other day uh, uh, in our Hispanic youth group, I said, um, I said, what would it be like if every post on Facebook took an hour to look at? You, just took, you had to spend one hour before you could look at the next one. Would you be on your phones a lot? Well, of course not. It's instant gratification that we're looking for that we get that really quickly. Our worship is structured that way. I can say this up here. I wouldn't say this some other places. But, yeah, our worship is even structured, right, to a certain time, to our attention spans, based on how long we think we can engage the audience, which means I've got a few more minutes. <laughs> and then you guys are going to tune out, right? Uh, our devotionals are scaled down. They're even, our devotionals are marketed to how quick we can get through them. The 30-second devotional, all you have to do is click and you know, download the app because that's the way they're marketed. Even our sermons... Even our sermons are structured and written sometimes to our short attention spans. They're timed for that. That's not the way I grew up. What would, I, what would you say, what would your reaction be if I said, hey, I'm going to be preaching for about four hours today? Okay, most of you would vacate very quickly. There would be, there'd be a mad rush for the restrooms, you know, and then nobody would come back. You know how that goes? Yeah, you've all done it. That's why you're laughing. <laughs> If I said I was going to preach for us, that's the way I grew up. I grew up as a missionary kid, and we would go to a worship service, and we would come in, and we would sit down, and they would start singing. And they have, you know, you know remember the old hymnals, and they had the hymnals about yay thick, and they'd start at number one. And at about number seven, you realize they're going in sequential order. <laughs> We're going to be here for a while. This is going to be a long day. And then they'd get done singing the 500th and something hymn, and then gets up, the pastor gets up to preach. And you're like, wow, this is, this is great. You know, at least we're getting on with the service. And he preaches for about an hour. So now you're into the second and third hour. And he finally sits down and you think, okay, closing invitational hymn. No, we're going to sing some more for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like open mic. I'm like, what just happened? I mean, all of a sudden they're like, would anybody like to share their testimony? You know, and then a line starts to form. And you're going, no, you don't, you don't want to share. Not today. And then, you know, there's that one lady that gets up there and she's like, I'd like to tell you about what God's been doing in my life for the last 80 years. <laughs> beginning when I was born. And then when she finishes, all of a sudden they get back up and they're like, now for sermon number two. And you're going... And about four hours later, you finally, finally come to a point where the service wraps up. Why is that different? Why are we so different up here? Because we've cultured it to our attention spans. Our walk with God, our seeking that spiritual wisdom, isn't that dedicated commitment over a lifetime. It's not that disciplined every single day. I'm going to pour into seeking what God has for my life. It is how fast can I get the message and move on with my life today. Interesting. Statistics say the average person loses attention after 20 minutes. It's not a very long period of time. I remember in the, 
As I was growing up, going to college, I lived with my grandparents for two years, and my grandfather, every morning when I would get up, would be at the kitchen table reading his Bible. This is King James days, so he's reading it, you know, the hard way. And he's got the King James Bible open in his cereal, and he always had peaches on his cereal. I just remember that random fact. And he would put the peaches on his cereal, and he'd just eat that cereal, reading his Bible every single day. And it wasn't just like a minute, like I'm going to, oh, here, here's a great verse. He'd been there for like two hours before I got up. I mean, he was pouring in every single day. And he read the Bible cover to cover, I don't know how many times in his life. I mean, just over and over and over and over again. Verse 5, we'll jump back to scripture, says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Remember all those things we just said? If you'll store it all up, if you'll turn your ear and you'll listen, if you'll apply it through your heart, if you will seek and really receive my commands, if you'll search for it like a treasure, then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in blameless For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then, again in verse 9, you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. Why is it we're so willing sometimes to work so hard and dedicate our lives and pour in to our jobs and other things that receive instant gratification, the paycheck at the end of the week, which is gone like that? But we're not as willing to pour in to that spiritual wisdom that's going to stay with us through all eternity, that's going to guide us for the rest of our life on this earth, we won't put that kind of work into it. That's just a lot harder. But we'll work like dogs. We'll put in 70-hour weeks to get that paycheck that's gone the very next week. Why do we do that? It's interesting. When we're not walking with God, that's the model that it starts to look like. See, God, walking with him, he's going to steer us to where we're wanting to seek that knowledge and that spiritual wisdom. When we're not walking with him, we begin to seek all those things that the world has to offer. And so the next few verses, it's interesting, Proverbs 2 shifts. So it starts off telling you what it looks like when we're walking with him. And then all of a sudden it starts to say, well, here's what it looks like when you walk with the world. So you can get a really good comparison. Look at verse 10 through 19. We're going to go again in sequential order. Number 10 and 11 says this. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. And everything sounds great, and then there's this transition that goes into what it looks like to walk with the wicked, to walk in the evil ways, to walk in the ways of the world. All right, look at verse 12. Wisdom will save you from what? The ways of wicked men. So we get this character of this man or men that, that kind of emerges here. And this picture get, begins to get painted. Wisdom's going to save you from the ways of this wicked man. From the men whose words are perverse. Who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. Who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perversiveness of evil. So... This is the ways of the world. It's represented through this evil man, if you will. And it's talking about wanting to pull God's children away from him. It's talking about wanting to walk on the dark path, not walk in God's path, being disobedient, enjoying the things the world has to offer, using perverse words to capture those that are unwary, to kind of drag you in. And then it says in 15, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Anybody ever been to a desert? They build roads very differently in the desert than when they build roads in the mountains. 
All right, I've got a couple of pictures way at the end of uh, all these slides that the guys in the back are going to pull up here. Go to the very end. There's a couple of pictures. You're going to see a picture of a straight road. This is the desert in northern Chile, the Atacama Desert, one of the driest deserts in the world. And one of the things you notice is it's straight. It's a straight road. You can see, and that's literally, I've been on that road. I've been right there and taking these kind of pictures all my whole life. But you can see as far as the eye can see. You can see where you're headed. It's a straight road. It's a long road. There's not a lot of instant gratification because it all looks the same. And if you're trying to get way over there to that mountain, which is kilometers and kilometers and kilometers away, it's not a very exciting journey because it's going to feel like it takes forever to get to. Now, if you go to the next picture... This is also a road in Chile that goes up the side of the Andes Mountains and goes into a tunnel over 10,000 feet to cross over from Santiago, Chile to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And it's very interesting. This is called the Snail Road or the pass, uh, Snail Mountain Pass. And it goes up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And if you flip to the next one, you can kind of get a little bit more of an aerial perspective on it. Now, there's something interesting about this road. One, it's not straight. Okay, this is the crooked road. But let me, let me bring that to a kind of an example of how you live your life. As you get to each of those curves, here's the thing. It's going up the side of a mountain. So you're going to the curve and you see the curve, but you can't see the road that's coming back the other way up above you because it's too tall. So you can't see beyond the curve in front of you. So you drive to the curve, and that's as far as you get. Then you turn. Now you've got the perspective on the next small section of road. And they're in small little sections. It's interesting because life works that way too. We don't want to take the time to go down that long road of gaining spiritual wisdom from God. It's easier to just have those fun little points along the way that are short because at each turn we get something new. We get a different perspective. So we turn and we're like, oh, hey, look. Now we go to the next turn. And we just keep ourselves entertained by that. The problem is when we're talking about walking in the ways of the world, we can't see what's around the next turn. We don't see it's coming. We don't know what to expect. And so we end up finding ourselves in difficult situations over and over and over again because we're not on the right road. So, interesting perspective, but I thought that would give you some ideas of what it really means, the difference between walking with God and seeking his spiritual wisdom and the walking with the ways of the world and having constant switchbacks. The person who walks in the ways of God who walks on his path, who walks according to his wisdom and seeks him, is going to spot the ways of this evil man that we've just read about. All these perversive ways, all these disobedient ways. We're going to see that coming a mile away as if we're on a long road. And we can prepare for it. And God prepares us for it. But we don't spot it sometimes when we're going through life like this. Some of you may be very OCD. I am. Uh, I can walk into my house and know when something has been moved. I know that's weird, I know, but I just, I have a library, I have thousands of books in my library, and I can walk in and literally like, somebody's moved my book, you know, and usually it's like, you know, one book over here and one of the kids has moved it or bumped it or put it back in the wrong place, and I know it every time, isn't that weird? I walked in just yesterday, hit the garage door opener, and I walked into the garage, and I was like, backpack. Wait a minute, one of the bikes is missing. We have three bikes that hang up. And you just, you just notice, you know where those things are in your life. And it's interesting because in the same way, when we walk with God, we can see what's coming and we know what is missing in our lives and we can spot everything around us that doesn't look right. When we're not walking with God, we get surprised at every turn. Does it make sense? 
All right, so now we're going to jump into verse 16, which changes from this, this character of this evil man. It kind of bleeds over into this other way of the world, which is described as the adulterous woman or the wayward woman. Look at verse 16. It says, Wisdom will save you. In other words, seeking all of God's wisdom will save you also, not just from the evil man, but from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Adulterous, interesting, unfaithful. The unfaithful ways of the world. Wayward. Heard the word many times, actually looked it up just to see how it was officially described. This is the definition of wayward. Difficult to control or predict because of unusual perverse behavior. Wayward. Difficult to control or predict because of unusual perverse behavior. And the Bible's talking about the wayward woman. And how we can easily fall into walking in that path. She uses seductive words to draw you in. Flattering words to draw you in. Anybody ever read the, the Odyssey? The Greek epic written by Homer. Some of you probably had to read it in school, but it's the, the story of the, the Greek hero Odysseus after the Trojan War. He's coming home, and it takes about 10 years for him to get back home. And on that journey, there's a lot of adventures. And so Odysseus and his crew are sailing, trying to get back home. And one of the adventures, it makes me always think of it, every time I read this, this wayward woman with her seductive words and her seductive ways, I think of where the ship goes past the island of the Sirens. And in this story, they sail past, and supposedly, if you hear the song of the sirens, which were these gorgeous, beautiful women-slash-creature things, and they would sing, and if you heard that beautiful melody, it drove you so crazy that you would steer your ship to directly towards the sound of the music, you'd crash into the rocks, and the sailors would drown. And that was the, the story. So Odysseus wanted to hear this so badly he thought he could, could do it, and, and so he had his crew tie him to the mast of the ship. Strap him down to the mast so that he cannot physically steer the ship or cause it to go and allow him to still listen and hear the song. And then all of the crew filled all of their ears with beeswax so they didn't hear the seductive sounds, the seductive songs of the sirens. And of course, they go by and the singing happens and the, the men are, are moving the ship forward and Odysseus just goes crazy. You know, just, I mean, just trying to break free because of that desire to want to pursue that seductive way. Isn't that the way the world is? Just draws us in sometimes. Pulls us right off God's path and pulls us right into the path of the ways of the world. The path that is not wisdom, the path that is not righteousness, and the path that is not what, is, what God has planned for us. Warren Wearsby, a biblical commentator and, and great Bible teacher, said this about, about seductive words and flattery. He said, someone once said that flattery is not even communication. It's manipulation. It's not communication. It's manipulation. It's people telling us things about ourselves that we enjoy hearing and that we wish were true. Isn't that interesting? I, I thought that was, I, it just, it really, really explains the ways of the world. Man, they will come to you and they will just drag you in because they tell you every single thing that you want to hear and you want to believe and next thing you know, they've got you and you're, you're straying from God's path. Look at verse 17. Still speaking about the wayward woman, the adulterous woman. It says, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. So, real quickly, she has no respect for her husband. We've obviously disconnected that, that relationship, violating those marriage vows. She's no respect for God. She's broken those covenants and those commands. And then it says in 18, Surely her house leads where? Down to death. And her paths to the spirits of the dead. 
She no longer has a friend in the Lord. She has no longer a friend in, in, in her husband. No one to lead, no one to guide. Because she's made all of these decisions. Again, using this example of her as the world to draw us in. And it's led us to a path of sin. And it says finally in 19, None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Wow. It's pretty powerful. In other words, if we're walking in the ways of the world and we get stuck following that direction, where are we headed? Pretty clear. We're not going to attain the path of life. We're not going to attain the path of righteousness. We're, we're, we're going to end up leading to death. So to avoid walking with the wicked, what do we do? So we've looked at how to walk with God. We've looked at how, to walk, how not to walk with the wicked. And now these last two or three verses, as we wrap it up, kind of bring it all into perspective. So in order to do this the right way, we've got to walk with the righteous. That's the end of the day. We've got to walk with the righteous. Look at verse 20. It says, Thus you will walk in the ways of the good, and you will keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. In other words, what it's saying is the godly people, they're going to be rooted in the place that is God's blessing. Okay? Psalm 1-3 says, The person that does that is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Because they're rooted in God's blessing. They're rooted in that place of God's blessing because they're walking in righteousness. Then it also says the ungodly will be uprooted from the land. Think about it from that perspective. It says verse 22, the wicked will be cut. Where? They'll be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Making a huge distinction between righteousness and not. So the wicked, I get it. Look, I, I've been working with students for 14 years. I get it. I, I hear everything they say. And it, sometimes they come at me with these frustrations of the world's winning. The wicked look like they're, they're, they're pulling it together and, they, and they're going to win. I, I get it. That's the world that we live in. That's that seductive way. That's that evil, perverse approach. But they're not. The Bible is very, very, very clear on that. Their end is destruction. It, it, is, a, it is a done deal. So, wrapping it up, what's the safest path? What do we do? The safest path, safest path excuse me, is the path of seeking God's wisdom. Seeking the path of the righteousness, which is where we should be walking. Why is that the safest path? Go back and look at verse 8. Turn to, put your finger on it in your Bible. The reason that's the safest path is what it says, for he guards, he God, guards the course of the just, God's, God guards excuse me, the path of the just, and protects the ways of the faithful ones. So, as we conclude, I want to do one thing. I want to point out to you three key words really quickly. Look at the, go to verse 1 and look at the third word, at least in my translation. Third word. It says, my son, and then a word, if. If. If you accept my words, is what it says. If you store up my commands. Then go to verse 9 and put your finger on the first word. If then, in verse 9, then you will understand what is right. If you do this, if you accept my words... Then you will understand what is right, which is every good path. And then jump to verse 20. Look at the first word. If you do this, then you will understand, thus, therefore, you will what? You will walk in the ways of the good, and you will keep to the paths of the righteousness. If you do this, then you will understand, and therefore, you will be on the path that God has for you. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I give you thanks this morning.